This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. What prevents you from achieving your jazz goals? This was a question we recently polled our community over in YouTube about, and we got a lot of really interesting answers and responses to our poll. So in today's episode, what I want to do is I want to go over those results, what people are saying, and talk about each result and help you understand how really they're not actually truly holding you from your jazz goals if you channel them in a different direction. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We want musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And whether you're a, a, a listener who's been around for a long time, really appreciate you, or you're a brand new listener, this is actually a really important episode to pay attention to because Ultimately, I'm in the business of helping people reach their jazz goals. And oftentimes people come to me and our Inner Circle membership because they feel stuck in their jazz playing and they feel like they need help in order to improve or they listen to this podcast and they want to know what's the secret sauce to improving as a musician and playing jazz at that high level like the jazz musicians I love and admire, right? Now, oftentimes the answer to that can be a lack of knowledge, right? Or a lack of knowing what the right thing is to practice, right? Like the direction is huge. Like that's a huge thing. But what oftentimes I find is that when people do come to me, there are other things actually holding them back from achieving their jazz goals that I have little control over, right? Uh, except for the fact that I can teach you how to think about things a little bit differently in order to help you reframe the narrative, help set you up to win every single time so that you can improve faster, quicker, and have a lot more fun on the journey towards actually doing all the things that you want to do as a musician. So like I said in the intro, I pulled our audience over on YouTube on this question, what prevents you from achieving your jazz goals? And by the way, if you're not ever subscribed to our YouTube channel, just go to youtube.com forward slash learn jazz standards. So youtube.com forward slash learn jazz standards, or just type in the search bar on YouTube, learn jazz standards, and hit that subscribe button because we also come out with great content uh, over there. So anyways, we polled in our community, what prevents you from achieving your jazz goals? Now we gave five different options. A was no time to practice. B was not enough instrument technique or mastery of their instrument. C is not enough grasp on jazz theory or music theory. 
D was instrument problems, right? Like not a good enough instrument, for example. E was all of the above, okay? Now, I'll talk about what some of the comments were because after doing this poll, I realized that there were actually a few that we should have included there or, for example, got rid of the instrument problems question or answer because there's actually some that are a little bit more obvious that people were really talking about a lot in the comments. No matter, though, let's go over what the results were. So 26% of the 1.4 thousand people who voted said that no time to practice so 26% said no time to practice was what was preventing them from achieving their jazz goals, okay? So that's a lot of people. 26% are just saying, if I have more time to practice, I'd be able to achieve my jazz goals. Okay, B, not enough instrument technique or mastery. Now, surprisingly to me, 37% of people who responded to this poll said they do not have enough instrument technique or mastery, and that is what's holding them back from their jazz goals. That was interesting to me, and I'll talk about that when we go over these each individually. And C was not enough grasp on jazz theory, and surprisingly to me, only 16% of people said that was what was holding them back from reaching their jazz goals. Now, D was instrument problems and only 2% said that. And I think it was partly because there's a little bit of problems with the way that was presented. We could have been a little bit more specific. And perhaps it isn't actually the biggest uh, possible reason why people would not achieve their jazz goals. Okay, so only 2% said that. E was all of the above. And surprisingly, 20% of people said all of the above, right? So in other words, no time to practice, not enough instrument technique or mastery, not enough grasp on music theory and instrument problems. Those are all things that are helping, that are preventing me from achieving my jazz goals, okay? Now, there were a, a few others in the comments that I think are worth mentioning, okay? So one was motivation, right? So just feeling motivated to improve, right? So I'm not reaching the goals, my idealisms of how I want to play and improvise and comp and all those things, because I'm just not motivated enough to do it. I know, for example, someone said, motivate, like motivation is kind of a, a spastic interest. Or someone says, honestly, motivation due to not having anybody to play jazz with, right? So there's a lot of different reasons why someone might not be motivated, right? Um, someone also sort of mentioned that motivation because frustration of not improving, right? So you lose motivation because you're just frustrated that you're not improving and, and feeling the results, right? So motivation is one I want to talk about today as well. And another one that I think is similar, but slightly different that people were saying was lack of discipline, right? Or lack of consistency, right? So I think this can be a side effect or a brother of lack of motivation, but just not being consistent enough with practice or what have you in order to actually eventually reach those goals. Okay. So let's go through and talk about each one of these. Cause I think this is really important that we dive into these to try to break them down and understand why these people are saying, uh, maybe why you are saying that you can't achieve your jazz goals for this reason and see how we can turn these on their head 
to reshape the narrative completely. So do you pay attention? Because as I was listing those out, I imagine that you could relate to one or two of those, right? One or two of those was in there that you could resonate with. So let's talk about A, no time to practice. So someone saying that they're not able to achieve their jazz goals because they don't have enough time to practice. So the most basic understanding of this for me is pretty obvious, right? Pretty clear to everybody, which is like, how can you improve at anything, jazz, music, or anything else in life if you don't have time to actually dedicate to it, right? Okay, so there's just no time to practice. Therefore, I can't improve. Now, when I look at the answer at face value, it literally says no time to practice. No time to practice. And what I want to sort of venture to guess here is that when people answered this, they actually didn't really mean that they have no time to practice. They didn't have enough time to practice is what I guess most people are thinking. But I also know there might be some people that are actually saying no time to practice. Like there's not one minute, Brent, that I have to practice, okay? So for people that are saying, I don't even have a minute to practice, there's only really one thing I can say to that, right? And that is, it's probably not true. <laughs> and that, that sounds like maybe a little bit extreme, but if you look at a seven-day week, right, just seven days out of the week, for someone to be so busy, right, that they can't dedicate even a minute to their hobby, right, that they had the actual time that they were apparently on YouTube scrolling through their feed to answer this poll proves that they actually do have time to practice. And I know it can be kind of frustrating to talk about this because you know where I'm kind of going with this, right? It's kind of like, well, where are your priorities, right? Because honestly, let's just say for the sake of someone who answered this, truly meaning they don't have time to practice, is like, let's just say they had the busiest week, they're working 12-hour days, then they go home and they make food for their kids, right? And then after that, they're so exhausted and they have to go to bed soon that they're just scrolling on YouTube, right? Like just say that is the situation and someone lives their entire life like this constantly. And some of you might be saying, actually, that's kind of close to the truth, right? But at the same time, this person very well has at least 15 minutes to give to playing because it's unlikely that they were scrolling YouTube for less than 10 minutes, right? So even if this person has 10 minutes to practice, there is a glimmer of hope there, which gets me to the other side of this, which I think most people were answering this question, which is, I don't have enough time to practice, okay? And where this comes from is a fundamental belief that in order to improve as a musician, but especially with jazz because of the virtuosic element of it, that you have to practice a long, long time in order to practice, like in order to improve, right? So you have to really dedicate a lot of yourself. And that's because we've heard the stories of like Charlie Parker and John Coltrane and everybody who's practiced for countless hours. And, you know, you probably even have a friend or, uh, or know someone that you admire who does practice a lot and it's obvious, right? But what I want you to understand about practicing is the way in which you practice 
really is much more important than how long you have to practice. So focusing on the way in which you're practicing and what to actually practice is more important than how much time you have to practice. In fact, what's more important is actually practicing the right things and practicing it in the right way and doing it consistently. Not necessarily every day, but let's say three times a week. That means you three times a week spend, let's say, 30 minutes practicing. In fact, um, in our Inner Circle membership, when we have new members sign up for the Inner Circle, we so badly want to show them that this is true, that we have a brand new, uh, we have a, a course for our new Inner Circle members called our Inner Circle Power Plan, where you learn a new jazz standard, start improvising over it. And you do this in 30 days with only 30 minute practice sessions three times a week. Like that's how badly we want to show people that, no, 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 if you actually really do know what to do and you know how to do it the right way and you're focusing, you can actually accomplish a pretty tangible goal that you'll have no choice but to improve your jazz playing in one month if you actually go through with it. And I think a lot of us who really are doing some searching here will go, Hey, actually, I think I do have 30 minutes three times a week, right? Or I have 15 minutes four times a week, right? Where I can get in there, right? So intentionality is really important. And I think what we have to really focus on when we're saying, I can't reach my jazz goals because I don't have enough time to practice, is we really need to start focusing less on this as an excuse and rather more, again, shifting the narrative to, I have this much time to practice. Therefore, here's exactly what I can do in order to achieve X goal by this X period of time, right? So in the inner circle and here in Learn Jazz Standards, we really believe in learning a new jazz standard every single month or at least learning jazz standards, right? That's the brand, like learn jazz standards. That's what we really believe that if you learn more and more and more jazz standards, and understand them better and get more exposed to them, you have no choice but to improve at improvising and comping and all those things, right? So I think the question there is not so much, do I need to spend five hours a day practicing or three-hour practice sessions or even two-hour practice sessions? Like The answer is no, you don't in order to achieve your jazz goals, right? Now, I do want to just speak to the elephant in the room, and that is it is absolutely true that the more time you have to practice, the more exposure you just simply have to things, right? The more exposure you have to problems that you'll come up with music. So the longer you have to practice, the more you're just going to be exposed. So may you improve quicker? Uh, quite possibly, yes, right? But... It's a lot better than just saying, I'm not going to achieve my jazz goals because I don't have enough time to practice. It's sort of like just giving up, right? That's basically what that attitude is. So not enough time to practice isn't actually something that should be holding you back from achieving your jazz goals. There's always a path forward, no matter how much time you have to practice. And again, usually those who say they don't have time to practice, it's not entirely true. It's just a matter of priorities. And if it isn't your priority at all, that's okay. There's no judgment there. It just means it's not your priority, right? Okay. So let's go to the next one. And that was not enough instrument technique or the mastery of your instrument. That's holding you back from your jazz goals. 37% of people said this. And this one kind of surprised me actually a little bit. 
not enough instrument technique or mastery. So when I really started thinking a little bit more about why might people have answered this, I started to realize it's probably just simply because of the virtuosic element of jazz, right? Like of improvising, like you moving your fingers across your instrument, right? Being able to navigate the piano, the guitar, or your trumpet in such a way that is, you know, able to actually execute on bebop lines, on bebop heads, on playing musical ideas, right? And oftentimes we do hear these great improvisers and they're able to play fast and they're able to play very technically challenging things, right? So we think to ourselves, well, I can't move my fingers that way. I can't do all those things. I don't have the right embouchure, right, in order to do this. Therefore, I won't be able to achieve my jazz goals, right? But I do think that there's a big fallacy in here. And I want to give you a few examples. So um, a trumpet player that I used to play with named Don Hahn, he's actually was a guest on our show, like episode 30 something. So a long time ago, I used to play with him a lot. And, you know, he's... uh, I think he's in his 70s now, and he used to play with um, Buddy Rich at one point. He was in his band. I mean, he's he's an old timer, and he's played with a lot of the great musicians and all that stuff. So one of his favorite trumpet players was Conti Condoli, and Don at one point um, had a lip injury. Essentially, he went to the dentist, and there was the, the 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 dentist for some reason I don't remember understand completely why like lopped off the scar tissue on his lip um, because it was causing some sort of issue for him. Dentally? I don't know. Whatever the case may be, this really screwed up uh, Don's ability to play his instrument, right? And he really had to fight through it. And I don't know if he's ever truly ever completely completely recovered from it, honestly. Like in my mind, he sounds great, but he claims he just cannot play with the same technical mastery that he used to. But an idol of his was Conti Condoli. And Conti Condoli... um, Eventually, at some point, you know, he just got older. He just was not able to play the same register on the trumpet and all that stuff. So Don would always show me, like when he was, we were driving in the car to go to a gig, he would always put on this record of Conti Condoli where it was like um, post an operation he had or post when he was older, right? So he'd be like, Brent, check out Conti Condoli back in the day. And, you know, he could play with huge chops and play really high. And then here's Conti Condoli now, right? And so Conti Condoli in his later days... He doesn't play with a bit, a lot of instrument range, right? So it's all kind of in the middle of the range. He's not playing high notes like trumpet players like to play. Um, he's not playing a ton of technically challenging stuff, like nothing rapid fire. However, when you listen to Conti Condoli, sounds absolutely amazing, like really, really good, right? Like you wouldn't listen to it and go, Oh yeah, he's just not, he doesn't have good chops. Like you wouldn't have thought that because everything was so musical, um, so intentional. He understood the jazz language so well that technique wasn't actually something that truly was holding him back at the end of the day. Like he basically learned to adjust to his technical limitations. Uh, A great example I think that I've used in the past is Jim Hall, the guitarist Jim Hall. Whenever I listen to, to Jim Hall, in fact, at first I wasn't actually quite into Jim Hall, maybe because of this reason, because I, I wasn't really a mature jazz listener. I kind of really was into listening to Charlie Parker, like fast, you know, very um, crazy eighth note lines and stuff like that. But I eventually learned to really love Jim Hall, the guitar player, because Jim Hall 
uh, one example I always give is he played on Sonny Rollins' album, The Bridge, right? It was the first album Sonny Rollins came out with after he got done with the, uh, you know, the whole legend of him sitting on the, the Williamsburg Bridge in New York City, and he just gave up practicing or playing for a year or two, right? And so when he came back, he recorded this album, and instead of having a piano player, he got a guitar player, and it was Jim Hall. And Jim Hall is not a chopsy guitar player, in my opinion. Um, plays very simple, but very melodic. And so there's the title track called The Bridge, right? On that album, it's called The Bridge. And it's very fast, like very, like the tempo is like blazing fast, like hard to even count to the tempo because of how fast it is. And so Sonny Rollins, I believe, takes the first solo and he's just guns blazing, like fresh off the bridge, practicing every day, just like machine gun you know, but of course, in beautiful, melodic, Sonny Rollins style, busting over these changes like it's nothing, like just, you know, butter over bread. Um, so then it's time for, you know, Jim Hall to play. And guitar players can be super chopsy, by the way. But there is something about the saxophone where there's it's a little bit easier to play things quickly. You know, um, probably not necessarily easier to play the right notes, but it's easier to play things quickly. So Jim Hall comes in. He doesn't have a lot of chops in the first place as a guitar player. Um, But what he does is he just kind of glides over the changes with very simple melodic ideas. And then every once in a while, he'll tie it in together with something like a quick triplet passage or something like that. And, you know, he'll he'll give you a little bit of that. But he knows himself. He knows that he can't just do continuous like eighth note lines over top of that quick of a tempo. I mean, we must be talking 300 BPM or something crazy, right? So Jim Hall, obviously one of the best jazz guitarists of all time. Some know him as the father of modern jazz guitar. He doesn't have a lot of chops. So that didn't hold him back either. So what I would implore you, if that's if you're one of those people that's thinking, I, I don't I can't achieve my jazz goals because I don't have the right technique or mastery. Well, all of that can be gained over time, right? Like if you want to be able to play fast eighth note lines, you can get to that point. But really try to think about what great music can you make with the technique you have now? If that means you're practicing slower, that's fine. Like slowing down your backing track. That's totally fine. What technique do you have now to make music with? Don't say, I can't play the music I want to play now because I just don't have the technique to play like Alan Holdsworth or John Coltrane or whoever. Fill in the blank for yourself, right? Or whatever, Bill Evans. I can't play like Bill Evans. Therefore, I'm not going to even try. Like, I can't get there. So I, until I, I can't reach my goal until I get there, right? So if we reframe the narrative a little bit, I think it's going to really help. Like what, how can I create beautiful music and hit the changes or whatever that is that you're trying to do right now with the technique I have and slowly build up more chops over time, right? Or more chord voicings vocabulary over time or more ability to play bass lines over time or better ability to play in the high register on my trumpet over time, right? Maybe you should be a Conti Condoli in his later years for a little bit and just work with what you have, right? Okay, so that shouldn't hold you back. And one other thing I wanna kind of talk a little bit about when people say, I don't have enough technique or mastery of my instrument, right? So one thing that's really important to realize is that technique or mastery of your instrument really has to do with your knowledge of your instrument and your ability to navigate it. That's simply it. But 
Really, I think what a lot of the people, the 37% of people that answered this are also saying is they're saying that they don't know actually what notes to play in order to sound awesome, right? Because you could have all the technique in the world, but if you don't know how to resolve to chord tones, if you don't understand the language of jazz, if you don't know tunes, if you don't know all that stuff, it doesn't really matter, right? So you could be like the best sweet picking metal guitar player when like metal guitar players that actually improvise or solo they're usually very technically proficient like they can like do crazy stuff on their instrument i'm just talking about guitar players right now but when you if you put them in a jazz scenario they're not going to play any of the right notes they don't actually understand the language of the music so really the most important thing to focus on over and above technique is actually the language and that technique can actually get built in over time. And I'm not saying again, you shouldn't focus on technique on your instrument at all. You should. However, I would prioritize learning the language and getting better at the understanding of hearing that language and the muscle memory of applying that language on your instrument than I would of, you know, playing major scales and arpeggios at 300 BPM. Right? So, just some thoughts there. Okay, the next one that people talked about was not enough grasp on jazz theory. 16% of people said not enough grasp on jazz theory. I was kind of surprised by this just because I thought that would be the big one because I often hear from people when I put like free tutorials about um, jazz theory here on the podcast or on our YouTube channel um, or even inside our Inner Circle membership. I do often hear from people like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, a little bit intense for me or like, oh, I, you know, from a non-jazz musician's perspective, right? So especially people outside of jazz, they're like, what are you even talking about right now? Like I, I, I lose them at two, five, one, right? Which by the way, if that's you, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong. And that's what we're going to talk about right now, right? So not enough grasp on jazz theory. If you're saying that that's preventing you from your jazz goals, the most important important thing to understand is that while jazz is harmonically complex, there is a lot going on in jazz. You don't actually need to know that much theory in order to get started on playing jazz or to start achieving your jazz goals, right? You don't have to know all of it, like be a music theorist, like a professional or a professor or something like this in order to understand jazz, right? Really, in my opinion, the only things you truly need to understand about jazz is seventh chords. So like, what's a major seventh chord and how do I build that? Root, third, fifth, seventh. What's a dominant seventh chord and how do I build that? Root, third, fifth, flat seventh. What's a minor seventh chord? Root, flat three, five, flat seven. What's a half diminished or minor seven, flat five chord? Root, flat three, flat five, flat seven. What's a fully diminished seventh chord? Root, flat three, flat five, double flat seven, right? That's it. That's five chords you need to know and you need to know how to actually spell them, right? Now, it's really important as well that you know them in all 12 keys because in jazz, you're going to experience all of these chords in different keys, right? So just make sure that if you're, you know how to play a dominant seventh, a C7, right? Or you know how to play a B flat seven, or um, a D7 chord? Like, how do you actually spell that on your instrument? So just know how to do that, right? Because chord tones are the most important thing that you need to be focusing on in your improvisation, 
most important thing for comping. They're the most important thing when we're talking about walking bass lines. So chord tones to me are the center of understanding jazz harmony. Then after that, the second thing you really need to know for jazz theory is just where do we get chord progressions from, right? Where do we get chord progressions from? So understanding the diatonic series, right? What is a one chord? What's a two chord? What's a three chord? What's a four chord? What's a five chord? What's a six chord? What's a seven chord? Right? Understanding that we get all those by a major scale, right? Like, so a C major scale. And if we harmonize a C major scale, which simply means stacking a third on top of the root of C, so stacking the third on top of C would be uh, E, right? And then stacking another third on top of that E note is going to be the fifth. The fifth is G. Stacking another third on top of that G note is going to be the seventh. The seventh is B natural, right? That's a C major seventh chord right there. So that's the one chord. And then when you go to the next note in the scale, that's D. If you stack thirds, four thirds on top of each other, that just naturally creates a minor seventh chord. So when you go through it, it's, it's a major seventh chord, a minor seventh chord, a minor seventh chord is the three chord, a major seventh chord is the four chord, a dominant seventh chord is the five chord, a minor seventh chord is the six chord, and a half diminished chord is the seventh chord, right? So if you understand that, and then you also understand basic minor harmony, which is a little bit more complicated because there's three scales to harmonize, to me, that's pretty much all you need to know. And then let's just say you actually don't completely understand that right now, what I just said. The main thing to do is to learn new jazz standards, right? Because for example, what will happen is you learn a tune like Autumn Leaves, and you'll notice that really the entire song is a minor seventh chord followed by a dominant seventh chord followed by a major seventh chord. And you realize that it starts C minor seven, F seven, and a B flat major seven. And you realize that they move in fourths. And then you realize it's actually a two, five, one. And then you can work backwards and go, oh yeah, how does the diatonic series work? Right, two, five, one. And then there's a minor two, five, one as well. So in my mind, the only theory that you really need to know to get started, or even not to get started, but just to learn over time, is how do you play all the different seventh chords? And then how do you understand where we get chord progressions from? Because then you can learn tunes and then there's more theory on top of that, but you don't have to know a ton to get started, okay? Okay, so the next one was instrument problems. And again, I think this one was a little bit of a fault of an answer. Could have been a lot better. Only 2% of people said this. So I perceive this isn't actually a problem for most people, right? So like not having instrument, not having a good enough instrument, none of those are actually good excuses. Um, well, not having an instrument is a good excuse for not achieving your jazz goals, right? So you'd have to acquire an instrument, but not having a good enough instrument or your instrument breaks, right? Um, unless you just don't have the money to fix your instrument. Like I think few people are actually dealing with that. So what we'll do is we'll kind of just push that one to a side as not the best answer to have included in this poll. Now, again, a lot of people said all of the above, right? But we already went through them. So let's talk about motivation, which is one a lot of people were talking about. So a lot of people were saying motivation is what's stopping me from achieving my jazz goals. So I really started thinking about this. It's really a, a complex, honestly, this idea that 
you know, we're so interested in listening to a jazz podcast, right? About learning to play. We're so interested in um, watching YouTube video tutorials about how to learn jazz, right? Um, yet we still don't feel motivated for a number of reasons, right? Um, in other words, what we, what we, this is a very common thing and I'm not judging anyone for it because I, it happens to me all the time, right? In fact, I'll give you a great example. I really want to learn another language. It's like something where I would be so proud to say, I know another language fluently, right? It's just for whatever reason, it's something really important to me. And when you think about it, and I have made some progress on this, but not a, a huge amount of progress. But like for me, the language I want to learn is Greek. And the reason I want to learn Greek is because my wife is Greek and her family is from Greece. And I have a daughter now and we want her to be able to speak Greek so that my wife's family can communicate with her better than they can with me. Like we can communicate, but not like on that depth of level that you would want to, right? So it's something that I really want. Like I really do want it. Like even now I'm, I'm talking about it. And I'm like, oh man, that would be so great. I should start up on that app again. I should get a private teacher, right? All these things I'm saying to myself right now. But unfortunately, what happens is too often when push comes to shove, I don't have the motivation to do it because the problem isn't right in my face. Now, um, when I go visit them in Greece, oh my gosh, am I in that moment? I'm like, oh man, I wish I was studying Greek a lot more. Um, and I just would be having a way better time communicating right now, right? When I'm in the moment of the problem, it's apparent. That's why people say with learning language, like full immersion is a thing to, to strive for at some point, right? So at that point, I'm motivated. But outside of that, my life here in the US, where my wife and I speak Greek to each uh, sorry, Greek, I wish, we speak English to each other. No one I know speaks Greek. Very few people um, I know speak Greek at all, right? I'm speaking English all the time. There's more people speaking Spanish for sure nearby me. Um, you, that, that, that motivation dies a little bit, right? And then you realize how difficult it is to actually learn new language and you lose that motivation. So I know reading through some of these comments, like some people said, yeah, motivation, because I don't have anyone to play with. Same thing as I'm not motivated because no one else is trying to speak Greek to me. Does that make sense? Right? So if you don't have anyone to play with, it's hard to stay motivated. Right. So let's talk about that one really quick. Like, I don't have anyone to play with. So I don't have any motivation there. So for a lot of people, this can be true if you live in a rural area. There's no access at all to anyone else. You don't even have other friends who are interested in it. It can be difficult. I'll talk about a solution in a second. But for a lot of people as well, there is access if you seek it out, especially if you live near a, a major metropolitan center. Um, in many places of the world, even not just the United States, if you live near Montreal, Canada, well, that's a bad example because Montreal is actually a big jazz city. If you live near Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, right? There's a likelihood that there is some public jam session going on or other people around that are interested in playing, or there's some kind of club that jazz musicians are playing at and you can go meet people there and find some people to play with. So if you're extroverted enough, you can probably do it, right? There's probably someone to reach out to. 
Um, even if there's just one other person that you have to play with, like being intentional, uh, intentional about playing with them, um, can be that motivation or like trying to practice together, right? Like, like let's learn this tune together so we can play it together or let's try to get our own gig or let's try to do our own jam session. Right. So it's always a possibility for those who just have no access or even are in the situation I just mentioned, like they do have some local ability, but not as much as they'd like. Not, not to be overly self-promotional here, but our Inner Circle membership is a place where we have a community. It's online, but we have people doing collaborations together. We have people that are incredibly motivated because they'll post their assignments, not assignments, but they're playing on, uh, you know, for the jazz standard that we're learning this month. They'll post it and people will respond with comments and feedback. And then you'll do that for somebody else. And there's actually a really big family in there, like a community, like people are actually friends and they're from Australia and they're from Holland and they're from all over the place, right? Israel, but they're actually friends. It's weird, (laughs) Um, but cool at the same time. And they're super motivated. So an online community like the Inner Circle also could be a good idea for you if motivation, because you don't have anyone to play with, is a factor, right? Um, Now, if you're not motivated because you don't have a goal in the first place, that's something that someone also said. Setting up a tangible goal is really helpful. Like, I want to learn one jazz standard a month, right? That's something we like to do in our Inner Circle membership, right? So having any kind of goal that you're reaching for, one that's not super out there, right? Like, I want to play great improvisation. Well, that's too general. Or I want to play like John Coltrane. Well, that's maybe too ambitious, right? Like, just what's a simple thing? Like, oh, I'd like to feel good outlining the core, hearing the chord changes on all the things you are. That's a goal to set out for and you can create mini goals in between to get there, right? So that's how we start creating uh, motivation. All right, so let's talk about the last one, which is discipline to practice. So discipline is something that's really hard for us. And again, there's something that ties in with it when I was talking about the learning Greek, right? Part of it is the discipline to do it, right? Um being in that long-term thought process of like, hey, if I'm in this for the long-term, there's going to be some go- some big rewards over time, right? Versus if I'm just in it for the short-term with music, you're probably not going to be satisfied with your result, right? So discipline is important, but I think the most, uh, the biggest element of discipline that I think people get wrong is that you have to be some sort of extreme, right? And this goes back to the feeling like practicing is holding you back from your goals. It's because people think in an extreme. They think, well, I have to practice a lot or they're trying to lose weight. I have to go to the gym every day in order to lose weight, right? You don't actually have to do that. You have to go to the gym once or twice a week to start losing weight, right? So let's say the discipline is a problem for you, like being consistent about practicing, being consistent about staying on track with a goal. What you do is you simply make it smaller, like make it less of a chore or a challenge for yourself, right? So let's just say that your goal is to, you know, you want to learn a jazz standard in one month. Again, I like to use this example because I think it's a very tangible goal for most people to accomplish in one month, right? So Maybe you have all these plans for it, right? Well, I'm going to learn a solo over top of the song. I'll obviously learn the melody and the chords. 
And then I want to uh, work on like some Bill Evans voicings to go over top. Like, so you might have these grand ideas of like what you want. I'm going to compose a solo of my own over top of this song. I'm going to take a lick into all 12 keys that I learned from the solo on this song, right? Really grand ideas of how much you want to accomplish. And then you realize when you break it down that you have to literally practice every single day for one hour in order to actually accomplish that goal at the end. So it's impossible to stay disciplined there unless, again, you're highly motivated. If you're highly motivated and you have the time to practice, no problem. If you don't, it's going to be very hard to be disciplined. Whereas if you go, hey, my only goal is I want to learn the melody and outline the chords on my instrument by the end of the month. Okay, you can be disciplined to do that, right? You can say, well, it's only going to take me two practice sessions a week to do that. All right. So now it's not such a big commitment from yourself to be able to do that, right? But it's a reframing of the narrative to be like, I believe I can achieve my jazz goals over time if I just think less is more, right? Which is really the theme of a lot of today's episode is less is more because when we have the more is more attitude towards music and improving, oftentimes it leads to a lack of discipline. It leads to a lack of motivation, which leads you nowhere, right? Whereas if we think in the long term, like, hey, how can I have fun practicing with less? Like, how can I make things easier for me? That is what's going to keep you motivated long term, where you'll look back like three years from now or even one year from now, and you'll be like, whoa, look at everything that I did in one year. And it's not like, a, wow, look at everything I did in one year. That was tough. It's like, a, oh, hey, one year later, I'm actually a lot better than I was before, right? So this, my friends, is the results of our poll And I hope that you got something out of hearing these that it's likely that you have one of these and you believe one of these is holding you back. So what I want you to do is think about the one that you do believe is holding you back. Consider my argument for that and think about how you can start reframing the narrative that will set you up for better success in the future. That's all for today's episode. Hope you found this helpful. Hope you found it thought-provoking. Hope that you take action on today's episode because that's the most important thing that you can do. And if you need help taking action, then do check out our LJS Inner Circle membership. Uh, That's where we learn a new jazz standard every single month, as well as we have lots of courses on very specific things that come up in jazz that will help you as well and an awesome community of of musicians playing all sorts of instruments it's a lot of fun over there so ljsinnercircle.com is where you can learn more about that all right we're gonna be coming out with another great episode of the podcast coming on up so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll look forward to seeing you back then cheers thanks for listening to the ljs podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. 
I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.